When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. to the Meredith, part of the 1012 Podcast Network, and partner with the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm, if you've forgotten, I'm Matt Workman, and I'm joined by Joe Goodman. Joe, we're back. Matt, we haven't talked since last year. Exactly. Last exactly. year. Man, it Man. Is a, it's, it's been a minute. I think both you and I... Um, we experienced the universe telling us like <laughs> uh, you thought 2023 had everything in store for you. Let us kick you in the nuts a little bit. Yeah. Right. At the end, we of, both, end of it. We both had an interesting personal end of the year. Yeah. <laughs> it was. And we luckily, we luckily are a part of an amazing network of podcasts in the 1012 network that were just like, yeah, yeah, deal with life. Go do that stuff. Like come back when you feel like it. And, yeah. and so I'm not going to lie. I feel a bit refreshed. Um, some st- All kinds of stuff has happened, both uh, in the Baylor world and in the Christmas world and in the New Year world. And um, yeah, you know, so it's it's nice to be back and chatting into the microphone again. It was a good little break. Uh, but 2024 is going to be a blast. And we've got a lot in store for you this year. For sure. Glad to be back. But yeah, it was like uh, one thing after another. But hopefully... We've come into 2024 and things have kind of leveled out a little bit. You're going yeah, back. To, you you know? started back at work. Um, so it's I, back, I came back, back to, to work to today. Back to the grind for both of us. So I I was off for about two and a half weeks and I, I went back today. And I'm not happy about it. But, you know, it's it's OK going back on a Thursday, I guess, because it's a two yeah. day week, you know, yeah. Tomorrow is going to be crazy busy. Next week is going to be insanely busy. It is what it is, right? You know, no, no rest, no rest yeah. for us. This um, is the time of year. You you have a lot going on because you have other like outside work responsibilities and like things you're a part of that get kicked off. Yeah, I have hobby, yeah, the rodeo is coming. Woo. Um, yep. I may, I'm, I'm go I have rodeo. a question for you, though, Matt. All right. Yes. So like. I, I, there was a couple of times over my break where I was like, I need a vacation from my vacation, mm. you know? No, for sure. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, just 
normal holiday family preparations, you know, getting hosting people and going to people's houses and preparing for all of that and making sure you get all the nieces and nephews gifts, gifts bought and wrapping presents. And, but then on top of that, you know, being the father of a two-year-old. So my question for you is, is there a point like at what age did your kids get that you felt like their Christmas break was actually a break for you or does it just never end? Um, well, it gets different because now it's like, let's go do something. What are we going to do today? And I'm like, we're, we're doing it. We're here. <laughs> he now wakes up every morning and he goes, what are we doing today? Daddy. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you gotta, you gotta see, I'm, I made a, a critical error in that I, I did things with them when they were young like that. Like every day was like a special like event. So now when they're 13 and 14, they're like, they expect events. I'm like, no, <laughs> so this is what we're doing. We're a whole lot of nothing is happening yeah. today. You can figure something out if you yeah. like. Yeah, go. You have every single streaming option available to you. Go f- watch something. Figure it out. How how far away is your oldest from driving? What two years? Yeah, she turns fifteen in April. So oh she'll man, get, so not even yeah, two years. Not even two years. Yeah. So like, she'll be a licensed driver in a little a year, over one year. Yeah, a little over a year. See, that's going to be life changing for everybody. It'll be life changing because it'll be like, "Hey, uh, I need some milk." Can you exactly you can go run the- an errand? Yeah, or like which as a kid, when I first got my license, loved that for about the first month or two because all I wanted to do was drive. Like, oh, I can yeah. drive the car. Yeah, I'll go well, get you your milk. Mine was like my thing was this because I had a I have a younger sister, so it turned into like I'm I'm also the ride. Oh, to you school. were the chauffeur. I'm the ride to school in the morning. Yeah. So like. We got to go because we got. So I'm thinking. Well, I mean, that's like we got to get my daughter a car, but then it'll be like. I'm, the thing that I'm thinking is life changing is like, I don't got to drive to school anymore. I don't got to do any drop offs. <laughs> it's like you can drive yourself there and y'all can drive back. Well, yeah. And there's no like, you know, I want to go hang out with my friends at the mall. Like, great. Drive. Yeah. All right. So I'm guessing. All right. So I'm. I'm Marking down 13 years is probably the, the level of tired that I'm going to have. And then, and then once, once he starts driving, things will well, yeah. be better. Well, now it's like, now they stay, you know, cause we, I'm, we're kind of like, not very like strict as far as like bedtimes or like lights out things on, on breaks. So like they'll stay up, at least my oldest, she'll stay up till God knows what hour watching things on her phone but then she sleeps until like two. Oh, so like most old, of the day the good she's old in, days she's in bed all day most of my day she's asleep <laughs> then she gets up she's like what's for breakfast and i'm like it's two you missed lunch <laughs> yeah we've had lunch <laughs> you're you know like a dinner at this point <laughs> find something in the pantry because we're not yeah. going making special trips you're old enough yeah but yeah so, yeah, so two, yeah. Because you got to you gotta wait to this whole thing, like, because y'all do, like, I'm sure y'all do, like, Santa and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. So, like, you got to, it gets to a point to where that that goes away. It's like, I'm to that point to where, like, we don't even pretend anymore. It's like, we all know where the presents are. 
Yeah, I don't if think they, we have anybody that listens. If anyone's to this listening to this yeah. and they are, it's uh, because under it's eight, because it's because Matt was forward. bad and he has to buy presents now for everybody yes, because yes. he's on Santa. He's on. I Santa's only get coal because. Yeah. I'm perpetually like in perpetuity on the naughty list. So yeah, you're, I got to do all the shopping. You've got uh, like, it's like having like lifetime status at Marriott. You've got lifetime naughty status with Santa. It's like the the opposite, like Bobby Bonilla. Like, <laughs> yeah. You're the, the anti Shohei Otani. Yes. Yeah. Um, part of your break, Joe, you were in attendance for the grand opening of the foster pavilion. I was and specifically why I was I didn't come back to work until today was because I was like, well, I'm going to take I'm not going to go back on the second like everybody else. I want to go to the game. And yeah. so I took off the second. Then I thought, well, I can't do the third because it's going to be late and I'm either going to drive back super late or I'm going to spend the night in Waco. And if I spend the night in Waco, I'm driving on the third. So I can't take the third. So th- this that's that's why I had the extra two days off um, it was specifically around going to the opening. And I do have to send a shout out to our buddy, Ron Wadley. Um, He's the one who took me to the game um, when he first mentioned that he was going to he was getting season tickets this year. And he's he's had basketball season tickets forever. He goes to like Ron is one of those guys that like he when we complain about people not being there on like Tuesday games, Ron is there like he goes to. He's always there. Yeah, he's always there. He goes to the games. Um. But he's he's always told me in the past, like, hey, if you ever if you ever like need a ticket to a game, just ask. And so, like, he mentioned getting season tickets again and that he was going to have tickets in the foster. And I like half jokingly was like, well, I'll take your I'll take your foster ticket for the first game. And he was like, all right. (laughs) It's like, okay. And so I've had his ticket claimed just forever. Um, I remember that because you're like, I'm going like, yeah, I'm going. Like, I've I've been known. Um. So huge shout out to him. I mean, I couldn't thank him enough for for let uh, for letting me go with him. Um, man, it was I was probably in one of the more negative camps around the Foster leading up to its opening. Um, okay, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the size choice. Um, my my personal opinion on this, and I I've gotten a lot of I, I know people don't necessarily agree with me. It's it is what it is. Like I'm, it's not something I want to fight with you about. But my thought is like when you do a seven thousand seat stadium, it's almost like you're giving in that your fans won't show up rather than trying new things to get more people there. Um, and I'm I'm wholly in the camp of Baylor should be doing do. absolutely everything it can to like get the city of Waco to embrace you more and find ways to get the, the folks in the Austin and Dallas metros that are willing to go to football games to try to get them to at the very least come to more Saturday basketball games. Right. I get coming to a weeknight game. Even if you only live an hour away or so like an hour and a half, let's say you live on the South side of Dallas or on the North side of Austin. And it's really not a crazy drive. It doesn't matter because you get out of work at five, five thirty, whatever it is. And then you got to hustle up there. If you got kids and a family back home and then you got work the next day, like I get it. It's annoying, but I've always thought like there's got to be some way where where Baylor could get like that crowd to come to Saturdays more. So that, Matt, was my initial thought of like. I don't like this because of how small it is. And my reasoning was really born out of like TCU as a university 
as for example, is half the size that we are, and they have a larger basketball arena. Um, you go look at schools around the Big Twelve that are like comparable in size to us. For you know, West Virginia is comparable in size to to what we are attendance wise, and they've got a significantly larger um, basketball. This was weird about it because they're rabid about basketball. And, and without that's the success that, that Baylor's had. And that's something that is a, a valid argument. You know, it's like no matter how not, good Texas gets, like Texas is never going to have the Moody Center pack. Well, I mean, and, and it's because we care about like, football here. Yeah, I know. As good as Baylor has been at basketball, the fans still aren't like rabid about basketball. Right. It's a football so first that was fan my base. That was my thought process leading up to it, Matt. And... I was still very excited to go. I was still very like excited that we were getting a new arena. I didn't want to be a negative Nancy about it, but I was one of those people that was like, eh, not really positive. I like all the choices that they've made. Um, All of that changed. All of the negativity that I had um, flew out the window the moment I walked in the door. Um, I, I will say this. The arena is ready, but it is not done. <laughs> so, um, Jamie Hart hat. <laughs> yeah, take your heart out. Um, you know, you you walk in and I'll get the negatives out of the way. The concourse, like it has bathrooms, it has escalators, it has stairs, it has concrete floors, and there are areas where there are decorations on the walls. It has, um, I think I, said, I already said it has concessions and bathrooms, but it's got everything you need. It's ready. But throughout the entire concourse, there are like completely bare areas and there'll just be like a sign next to that area that'll say like, this is going to be this someday. And it'll have like a picture rendering of like what this area is going to be. Um, so it's, it's definitely not done. Um, you do not know that whatsoever though, the moment you get into the seating area and it is stellar, Matt, it is a beautiful arena. Um, there are so many things that are improved upon compared to the Farrell Center. Uh, the first and foremost, the sound system is unbelievable in that thing. It is it is loud. Pre-game when they were just warming up and music was playing, Ron and I could like barely hear each other talking to each other. Like, it, and it was and it sounded clear. It wasn't like it wasn't bad loud. It was just loud, like heavy, heavy bass um, in that place. And it is loud when people cheer because the it is extremely steep it almost feels like the seats are vertical everything is very close right on top of the court um and it is absolutely designed to keep the sound in so it gets real loud in there um when you know Baylor went on a couple of different runs that we did against Cornell in that game it got it got crazy loud um there was one point where Cornell made a run and we just weren't we I think we went on like a six and a half minute scoring drought and we we kind of were missing basket after basket. And then we finally made one like at, like the crowd just got up and started like going crazy when we were on defense. And it was the energy was different. It felt like, you know, it felt like only a couple of games that I've been to in the Feral. Now, I know it was opening night, so it's, you know, of course, the place was going to be packed, but they it's very well designed and it has the it has the look and feel of an old school Midwestern field house. And that's really how they've designed it. It's supposed to look that way. Um, so it looks like an old Midwest field house, 
but it has the vibe of a professional NBA arena because it's the scoreboards are gorgeous and huge on both ends. The lighting is amazing. They're LED lights. They change color. The, the arena went green and yellow and all kinds of stuff. And with the sound system, the ribbon boards, everything that's in there, every single seat in the place. This is another thing that I wasn't aware of. None of it's plastic. So it's not like the normal, like just kind of crappy plastic seating. It's all like the super nice, cushy stadium seating that you get when you go to like an NBA arena. Um, so it was super comfortable to sit there. It It is it is overall gorgeous. They did an absolutely great job with it. When it's filled up, you can't it doesn't it feels a lot bigger in person than I was expecting it to feel. It feels like there's more people in there. Um well, I mean, and personally, like the Pharaoh always felt like empty. It did. It always felt empty, even when it was full. Like it kind of because you're felt... so away from the court. Um, yeah. Speaking of, uh, it's just like it's just like football now where the student section is directly behind the benches and they have their own yellow seating, which is super cool. And they're 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 touching distance. The students can touch the away bench. Um, it's it's you know, it's like Cameron Indoor in that in that sense. Um. So, yeah, just overall, I'll say this. I don't think that there's a bad seat in that place because, like I said, you're on. We were we were pretty high up. We weren't as high up as you could possibly be, but we weren't like on the low level. And I still felt like I had an amazing, really close up seat. It was it was cool. Um, And as you and I were talking about, one of the one of the advantages was because it's smaller, like you can find your friends. So. You know, I'd see somebody post a picture on Twitter and I'd be like, oh, OK, I know where they took that picture from. Let me look in that. Jo- oh, I found them. Um, you know, people were talking about, hey, Bill Gates is there. And it took me five seconds to find Bill Gates. Um, you know, and there were people that took pictures of me and they found me really easy where I was sitting. So it's, it, you know, it's very close. You can see everything in the arena. Um, so I, I I really liked it, dude. Uh, I can't wait for you to get to go. Um, you know, I know there was some, there's, there's been some, we're a fan base that likes to complain. And I guess if you aggregate any group of people together, people are going to complain. Um, I know there were complaints about like the TV, the camera angle. Um, yeah. So I can speak to this cause I watched both first games, the men's and the women's game on TV and it's a different angle, but it's not. I mean, it's fine. So the TV cameras are at the highest point in the arena. I can tell you that. Like we were, we were sitting below them. Um, Like I could, they were kind of like diagonal from me up on my left. And so I could see like they're, they're, they're above the seats up there, but they aren't, I mean, the the thing doesn't get that tall really. Um, Now I'll say this, they, they would show replays, you know, during the game, of course. So I got to see the camera angle um in the arena and i think what was they were struggling to actually find and i noticed this like the cameraman was like zooming in and out actively and so i think i think it's going to be a time thing for them to like legitimately find what the zoom in and out was i did watch the women's game last night on espn plus and i had no problem whatsoever with the camera angle like i've seen i've seen camera angles that look higher than that i feel like well i mean and i'm you know to be perfectly honest, like I'm a big like Sky Cam All 22 fan. So like whenever like ESPN does like the mega cast and you have the option to mm-hmm. watch the Sky Cam, which is just a raw feed, 
I I prefer that. So like for me is like, oh, it's like watching a sky cam on a basketball game. Yeah. I mean, so I don't you know. Get like the I, whole I didn't court. even think it was really that high I personally. I, I was fine with it. It didn't bother me. I saw someone say like, you can't like see the names on the jerseys. And I was like, well, I figured out who it was. And even if it's someone like, who is that? They say it on the broadcast. You're like, oh, that's who that is. We'll figure, yeah, I, mean, I don't. I watched. That I watched the women's game on my phone. So like the smallest screen that I owned last night, and I didn't have any issues figuring out who anybody was. Yeah, because John Moore says it, <laughs> or or not even that. But like you it. can see their numbers. <laughs> yeah, I mean that. I did not find that to be an issue that I had to deal with. Right. Like, in fact, yeah, I didn't have weird. an issue at all. If I was like, oh, that's an interesting angle, but that is that's where it ended. Like I know what Bella Fonelroy looks like, so when she has the ball, I I know it's her. Yeah, because you you were there, but also like our friend Scott was there, Scott Spainsmith, and he yeah. was he asked in a group chat. He's like, "How's it look on TV?" And here's what I said. I texted back. I said, "It's an interesting angle, but it looks good." And that that's exactly how I felt. Yeah. So it's fine. But we love to complain. My favorite complaint that I saw was on um, one of one of the one of the free forums out there. Somebody somebody complained, and this was this is an exact quote that they quote had to move their head to watch the game. Oh, don't <laughs> everyone tell them about tennis? Yeah, <laughs> or hockey? <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> like, I mean, like it's not. Not bust their bubble. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I will say this. I sat in the corner with Ron. We our seats were in the corner. Um behind like we were sitting across from the op- opposition bench. All right. Um and so I did indeed have to turn my head to the left whenever the ball was on the other side of the court. Um but you always did. Yeah, it's I basketball. simply moved my head, Matt. <laughs> But it's basketball. They play on opposite ends of the court. Right. You're always having to move your head. You can't just look I, stationary I, I, it was, in one it was direction. was a mind-boggling complaint to me. Um, so I, That's I don't. the wildest thing I've ever heard. I had to move my head because I was like, have you never been to a basketball game before? It's, But again, that's, it's a, I mean, maybe it's not uh an only a Baylor issue, but it's indicative of like Baylor fandom to have that kind of like complaint. Yeah. Now, some good news. Uh, we are undefeated in the Foster. In 2024, we're undefeated. Period. Yeah. Did you, can you know what you want to hear an interesting stat, Matt? Yes, please. Every single time an undefeated lost every single time if you come to play Baylor as an undefeated team you, you've lost at Foster Pavilion sorry about your luck yeah don't come to the every single top 25 team that has come to play Baylor at Foster Pavilion has lost has there been like one has there been like one it's just it's it's astounding Matt we, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't got to get into the details court. of it. It's it's 
It's facts. You're spitting facts, Joe. Mm-hmm. It's truth. There are no lies. Let's talk. Let's jump into the uh, women's basketball game from last night. Where I would love to. They, uh, they took on top 25 TCU. And undefeated. Top undefeated. 25. Like they're like 14 and 0. They were 14 and 0. Were. Uh, past were. Tense. Past tense. Um, and it was kind of close. I think they were even like leading at half or something like that. Yeah, they got up to they were up by seven at the beginning of the second half. And then Baylor flipped a switch. Nikki Collin <laughs> flipped a switch and just completely obliterated him in the third quarter. Yeah, in the it third quarter crazy. with eight minutes and twenty seconds left, TCU was up thirty-two to twenty-five. And from that point, Baylor outscored them. 26 to 8. Uh, hold on. Hold on. I, I, I'm i not good at math. Give me a second. All right. 32 to 25. So Baylor up. outscored them. Um, what is that? 40, 46 to 18. Yeah. <laughs> to finish it up. To finish yeah. it up. I think they had like uh, 13 threes Baylor did. They shot 52% from three. Um, yeah. I can tell you that much. Yeah, at when it was 32 to 25, TCU had a 60% chance to win the game. And then by the time wow, with with 8 minutes left in the fourth quarter, Baylor had a 99.5 chance percent chance of winning. Up 51-36. It's like it's one of those talking about women's basketball. It's one of those things to where there's an expectation of how Baylor's supposed to be at women's basketball. And there's a lot of naysayers when the former coach left and the success was not as prevalent as had been in previous regime. But this kind of season, it feels like one of those things where it's like, no, we Nikki Collin knows what she's doing. Yeah. Like, she knows how to coach. She knows how to coach. And – it's it, just it to, different. She just had to build and, her team. And yeah. She's built her team. She built her team. And I don't know anyone would have said after how how last year went that like now granted there were injuries and stuff that went on, players that weren't eligible that should have been eligible. There's a bunch of like outside of the court things that were going on with the women's basketball team last year that affected the play, perhaps. But to have everyone healthy to have everyone on the court on the bench that's supposed to be there and available you can see like oh yeah we're we're baylor this is what we do yeah this is and this is like we talked about this at the beginning of the year this is one of the most fun teams to watch yeah well her offense the way they they play or i wouldn't say not just offense but the way they play on both sides of the court defense is they're one of the best defending teams in the nation they almost made as many threes as TCU attempted. So TCU was two of and, 16 from three. And they're, Baylor they're was a good 13 three, of 25. They came in one of the best three-point shooting teams in the nation. Yep. And Baylor's defense kind of like shut them down on what they do well. And and then they were just splash city with their offense, man. Yeah. Yeah, TCU turned the ball over 19 times. The defense was great. 
Baylor scored 21 points off of turnovers. TCU only had two fast break points in this game. Baylor had 13. Um, now, TCU dominated in the paint, 30 points to 16 points in the paint. So over half of TCU's points came in the paint. But that's going to be Baylor, right? Like, they're, yeah. it's not... Yeah. It's not the previous regime's Baylor. It's not. We've got the biggest, baddest girl that you can find in the middle, no. and she's going to dominate old school post play. This is going to be four out. You know, we're going to yeah. outscore you. We've got stellar guards. We're going to run on you, and we're going to shoot threes. Yeah. And then, you know what? You might be able to dominate us with some size on the inside, but we'll trade your twos for our threes. Yeah, and that's what they said. Like, we'll give you those. You're going to, you know, and that's, that's the only way they could score because we're not going to let you score outside. Right. Another huge stat in this game to me, Baylor had or TCU had eight assists. Baylor had 19. Yeah, it's it's a great game. It's it's weird that it's that's the only time that they'll play TCU this year. Yeah, it's really weird because of the 14 team scheduling. But. Got a dub in that one. We got that dub. (laughs) We got the dub. And now they they take on Houston, who's Houston. not very good. Um, also at home, then they head on the road to Kansas, who um also not good. Then they head on the road, and this is going to be their like th- this will be a big game is at Iowa State. Iowa State not as good as they've been in years past, but still solid team. Um, UCF again not amazing. And then it's Kansas State, you know, so they've got they've got a handful of games that they should be winning one, two, three, four in a row um, before they face off against Kansas State. He's currently number 11 in the country, 14 and one, two and oh in the conference. So, you know, this is a team that you're looking at legitimately. Your expectation at this point is that they're 17 and oh heading into that Kansas State game, um, probably favored in that Texas State game because or Kansas State game because this team has beaten number four and number five number 21 and I think number 23. Yeah. Um, you know, and they beat Texas on the, Texas was undefeated and, and playing in their brand new arena. And we went in there and beat them. Yeah. Handily. Yeah. And then, like you said, TCU, a 21 point win of a a top 25 team. Talked about Miami. Great win. There's another almost 20 point win. And then, um, Utah. Yeah. And yet Utah game was great. And again, like they're not eating these things out. I mean, they beat Utah by seven. They beat Texas by six. They beat TCU, as we mentioned, by 21. They beat Miami by almost 20. They beat them by what? 18, 18. 19. I think like 17, 18, something like that. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, they're, 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 they're beating up on people. They beat Providence by like 30 or something like that. (laughs) Oh in, yeah, in the uh, the in West Palm Beach, whatever that uh, invitational is, classic West Palm Beach classic. Mm-hmm. That's the um, only and and that game they won sixty one thirty six. That's the only game they've scored under seventy points this year. Yeah. So, so yeah, you got Houston coming. <clears throat> excuse me, you got Houston coming in. Like you said, January sixth. Where will you be January sixth? Hopefully, <laughs> at, at the Foster Pavilion. I will. I'll be at home. <laughs> I may be at the Foster. We'll see. You should go. You should do it. It's two p.m. That's a that's an early Saturday game. There's a car alarm going off outside my house. I hope that's not on the recording because that'll be hella annoying. But I don't hear gonna... it. 
I hope you, you don't it? hear my dog snoring next to me. I no, I don't hear you. Okay, dog. I don't hear the car alarm, so we're all good. Okay, good for both things. Yeah, we both have decent mics, so that don't pick up ambient noise. I'm gonna peek. Okay, it stopped. Good, good, good. Is it your car? No, I don't have okay. my. I, I am. I am a. Uh, I have the worst luck with car keys in my pocket of having like a loose key hit my panic oh, button. It happens to me all the time. I don't know. Don't, like my keys are a magnet for the panic button in my in my pocket. Always have you know, been. You know what happened to me one time? My keys are in my pocket. I'm driving my car. The car keeps on locking and unlocking. So I'm thinking, man, something's going on. And then I realized, oh no, I'm leaning up against my key fob in my pocket. Again, the console is hitting that lock unlock button on my car as I'm driving. Because <laughs> I'm an idiot and I'm thinking like there's some mechanical issue, some electrical issues going on, but whatever. But um, I, it is not my car because I don't have my keys in my pocket right now. So, okay. All right. Men's basketball got back at it also. Yeah, that's uh, the game that there, I was you were at. were there, at Cornell. They got a big win over. Is it Big Red? Are they the Big Red? Is that Cornell? I think that's correct. No, they're the Bears or the Bruins or something. No, they are the Big no, Red, but their the logo red. is a C with a bear in it. Interesting. Weird. Okay. But yes, you were right. They are the Big Red. Well, I thought I heard John Moore was... say that, the Big Red of Cornell. And I was like, I didn't know that's what they were. I, th- I mean, but I don't really pay attention to Ivy League basketball. So it was but an yeah. interesting game. I it? mean, Cornell wasn't terrible. They could shoot. They for sure could shoot. They didn't really have like the same level of athlete that Baylor did. It was one of those things where like I was talking to like I was sitting there with Ron and I'm like, oh, man, Jacoby Walters having a terrible game. And then I look up, he's got 18 points. <laughs> you know, like it was just like, oh man, it's an off night for him. It's just not his night. And then he's the leading scorer. And then oh yeah, but watching it, you whenever I was watching it, he would make plays as like, and you're just like, oh my, like he's he's so good. He's I mean, so I, good, dude. He's, so he's good. insane. There was just like a period there where like his shot was not falling. Um, and so I was like, oh, it's gonna be a rough game for him. And then like immediately when I said that, everything started falling for him. Well, yeah. Um what I love about him me. is it's like a small he'll, stadium, he could hear me. If it's not falling, what I was seeing was like you'll see him and then you'll see you're you know, you're watching the ball and it comes off, and then like, oh, Baylor got the rebound. Oh, it was Jacoby got his own rebound and put back for for two. You know, yeah. he's like, he's following his shot. He's not just, you know, watching it go in. If it comes off his hands, he's probably thinking like, I didn't like that. So I'm going to, I'm going to go and uh, follow the shot make sure. And he just like, it's a sound fundamental basketball, which I love to see. The thing I'm going to continuously take away from this team is I don't know if we appreciate how special they are offensively. Uh, yeah. With the exception of the two missteps that they had, you know, the big loss against Michigan state. Um, and then the tough loss against Duke, both of which were neutral sites, but let's be honest, they were essentially road games. You know, Michigan State, that was played in Detroit. The place was packed and it was all green and not our shade of green, right? That was a road game. Yeah. And then Madison Square Garden, I know some people who went to the game and they said the place was packed and it was all Duke fans, you know, and it's and so both of those situations, you're playing major programs you've got a target on your back being who you are is kind of like a newer blue blood in the, in the realm of college basketball. They want to beat you. You're yeah. beating Baylor is a big deal. It's a good quad one win. It helps you make the tournament. It helps you get higher seeds. Um, 
So, you know, those are tough, you know, those are tough losses, but they're losses early in the season that you're like, yeah, hey, it doesn't really hurt me. You know, winning is a good thing. Losing is a nothing. Yeah. And I think Scott Drew said this a lot. Um, I mean, he's mostly said it about playing big 12 uh, schedule, but I think with these early season non-conference matchups, it's almost like you've had tournament games. In yeah, your you, you, you're not going to get phased by anything yeah. in the tournament. So whether you go to the big 12 tournament, or when you're in the NCAA, those like venues and matchups aren't going to phase you because you were in neutral site against big name teams. I mean, you were in neutral site against Michigan State and Duke. I mean, it didn't go your way, but you've you've been. I mean, Duke was way better than Michigan State, but you've been in those situations, and it's not going to be something new to you, right? And we we really should appreciate this offense because yeah we had a six and a half minute scoring drought now it wasn't that like we were playing bad offense we were getting great shots the shots just weren't falling like we had stuff we had bunnies at the rim we had was... wide open threes layups everything and it just we, it was like there was a lid on the damn hoop and we still scored 98 points yeah we legitimately could could have scored 120 points in this game. Yeah, offense is, I think, off the charts good. Yeah, it's it's stupid good. the The defense has work to go, yes. I, especially the off ball defense. I really think, um, and I, I think th- I think they'll get probably better. some defensive rebounding needs some work. But um, as as the season goes on, you'll see improvement. I'm fully confident in that. Now, they may not be elite, but improvement. Yeah, it'll be good enough. And um, it's, it, you know, and, and that's just me being nitpicky, I think. Uh, this is, it, like the women's team, this team is a blast to watch. And, you know, I'm excited where they're going. Uh, so, yeah, big win against Cornell. They won by 19 points. It could have been way more. Um, but they still covered. Their upcoming, Matt, they're on the road at Oklahoma State. So that's going to be, you know, Oklahoma State not good this year, eight and five. Um, so that that should be a solid win. But then they welcome in for their next conference game on January 9th. That's going to be a tough game. You're facing off against um, what twelve ranked BYU. Yeah, their their only loss this year is to Utah. I will say this from what I've what I've read and I've seen about BYU is they they can shoot the lights out on you, and but they are not big. And Utah bullied them. And that's kind of how Utah won that game from everything I've I've seen. Um, so it'll be an interesting matchup because Baylor does have size, but we also rely on shots falling. So I think it's a big advantage that game is going to be at home. Um, that'll be the first, you know, home men's conference game for, for Baylor. Uh, all the students should be back in, I would assume, by the ninth. I, I'm pretty sure school would have started by then. So even though it's a Tuesday night game, it should... I expect there to be a pretty solid crowd at that one. Speaking of like new Big 12 and future Big 12, um, I just I pulled up the scores right now. And like, so we have future Big 12 Arizona playing future Big 12 Colorado right now. Colorado is 11 and two. Arizona is 10 and three. Arizona is up 27 points at half, 50, <laughs> 50 to 23. Yeah, Zona's good this year, man. They're and, they're legit good. I mean, and I'm really I'm I'm the kind of guy like I go I'm, I root for 
the future Big 12 guys. But it's going to be next season is going to be bananas. Bananas. And I just can't wait for it. Well, you know how we can make sure that we're always competitive next year. How's that? If we're always hustling. Yes, sir. Just like our friends over at Charlie Hustle. Because as always, this podcast is brought to you by Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. Charlie Hustle is a vintage-inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City that specializes in collegiate and hometown apparel. Charlie Hustle wants you to be the best dressed fan this season. So be sure to check out their wide selection of officially licensed collegiate apparel and show off your school spirit all season long. With over 30 schools to choose from, they've got you covered with all your collegiate apparel needs. So go over to charliehustle.com and shop today. Charlie Hustle, vintage, made fresh. And when you do, make sure you use promo code 101215 for 15% off all non-sale items. That's TEN1215 for 15% off all non-sale items. It's cold now, Matt. So it's, it's the cold. perfect time. Perfect time. It's getting cold. Perfect time to put on them hoodies. You got about, uh, in Texas, you got about like, two months maybe of cold left before it yeah, starts warming like that. up. That sounds right. You know? So yeah. Get it in there. Get to, uh, get some... Uh, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline hoodies coming your way and then you'll have them for uh for next season and this absolutely season. yeah yeah and yeah use where to the basketball games watch the basketball games and then uh you'll have them for football matt i heard there was some football news today so yeah so baylor who just to recap uh sean bell left baylor he would he had been reassigned as the tight end coach following the hiring of Jake Spavadol, who is going to be the quarterback coach slash offensive coordinator. Which, even though it's assistant to assistant, it's kind of a demotion to go from QB to tight end. Especially a former QB. Right. In uh, Sean Bell. Um, So he took a position at Houston as their quarterback coach. I think he has passing game coordinator title as well. I believe that is correct, yes. So, and both Bell brothers went to Houston. But uh, so that left a vacancy on our on-field coaching staff with the tight end coach. And we have hired a tight end coach today. And I'm going to pull up the uh, the press release so I can tell you exactly. So, yeah, so Baylor hired Jarrett Anderson um, as his new tight ends coach. He is three decades of coaching experience in the state of Texas. He was um, most he was recently what, 23 with, years or 24 years, 24 year tenure at TCU. Yeah. So he was described to me in the ODB discord as Gary Patterson's Sean Bell. <laughs> yeah. 
So he was there, had multiple positions on, on, on the offensive side of the ball at TCU. He was at one point co-offensive coordinator for five seasons. Um, most recently he was at UTSA as the, uh, I think he was the offensive, offensive line coach. So, yeah, he's been inside receiver coach slash tight end coach, offensive line, co-offensive coordinator. So he's had like a lot of different positions over his, his uh, tenure. And all of it, I think pretty much all of it in the state of Texas. You know, I don't know how much we're going to be using tight ends in Spavital's offense. And um, I there are some people that I've seen that that aren't excited about this hire. And here, but here's my thought. You're getting a guy that has 30 years experience coaching in the state of Texas. He's got recruiting ties. He's won big time when he was at TCU has some serious hardware from during his tenure as a coach there. Um, and is there somebody better than that to come in and be kind of your tight ends coach, which I think is going to be like, I don't want to say less important. I'll say a deprioritized position in your new offense. Um, yeah. And but I, he can come in and he can support a random. Like, I think that's what, what I'm thinking. What like, happens, he's a guy like he knows how to support a head coach. Like, yeah. He knows that's, what he's doing. that's part of it with the, Emphasis that Aranda is going to be on the defensive side of the ball. It helps to have Jake Spavadol there, who's been a head coach, but also very successful offensive coordinator, to take over like pretty much the head coach of the offense. But also you have a coach like Coach Anderson, to who has all this. Experience. He's a professional right hand man. Yeah, to be that right hand man to like so Aranda can literally be like y'all have the offense. I'm going to, me and uh, Pallet, we got the defense. We're going to do this over here. And and with Anderson, what I think is good about it is he's been a running back coach. He's been an offensive line coach. He's been inside receiver coach. He's been a co-offensive coordinator. So, I mean, like you said, like he's going to have a handle on the offense yeah. as a right hand. What can man. I do to support the guys around me? I think that's the way I look at this hire is they went in and they said, we have a, we have, an assistant coach job available. There are a limited number amount of coaches that you can have on a staff. There are rules around that in college football. It's not like other leagues, right? Yeah. So you're only allowed so many. So go yeah. get, you know, sometimes, you know, maybe there's a guy out there that's going to coach the best tight ends. Like he's going to, he's going to get the most possible out of your tight ends. But if you don't maybe use your tight ends as much, why not use that slot for a guy that's going to be a strong right-hand man? And uh, I think that's kind of what they did. They went and they said, who's the best all around offensive football coach that we can bring in to be at this level, right? You're not going to go get, you know, a flashy up and coming assistant offensive coordinator kind of guy. That's the next, um, you know, Lincoln Riley up and comer or something like that. Let's go get, let's go get a guy that's been doing this for three decades, bring him in. He knows what he's doing, knows what he's talking about. He's coached, all kinds of different kids. He's been he's been at this for a very long time. He understands the changing landscape of college football. Um, and he's been the right-hand man of an extremely successful football coach as much as I can't stand Gary Patterson. Um, you know, it's it, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. 
I don't expect him to put his fingerprints on this team in any kind of special way. I don't think that we're going to sit there and be like, man, it's a really good thing we have him. This is probably the last time we're ever going to mention his name. But my assumption is in the background, he's going to be a really, really good supporting character for the rest of the coaching staff. Yeah, no, I think he's a very good assistant coach. I mean, Gary Patterson, like you said, kept him around for a reason because he's just Sean Bell. He was, yeah, he was, he was good at his job, you know? So, and, and like you'd, you'd mentioned also, like he's been to the state of Texas. He has established with recruiting with programs in the state of Texas that can't hurt. So, and well, and I'll say this, it's, it's, it's the tight end coach. I mean, yeah, it's a, exactly. It's a, it, this isn't a moving and shaking. It's not position. offensive coordinator. It's not the running backs coach. It's not wide receiver. I'm sorry, it's not the wide receivers coach. It's not offensive I mean, line. Technically, I guess. I mean, my opinion is he's tight end coach in title. He's probably going to turn into like inside receiver coach, something like that. Because that's what he he's done at TCU, and like, I think it. I was reading this like in 2010. He was he helped. TCU have a set school marks for touchdowns, points, and total offense. Well, there you go. And he that's when he was the co-OC. So, he's not, I mean, he knows what he's doing. Do you know who, who else knows what they're doing, Matt? Who's that? The Washington Huskies. Are we sure they know what they're doing? Yeah, they do. Because they uh, beat Texas. They came very close to not being Texas. To tell you the truth, I watched zero seconds of that football game. So let me give you let me give you some background, Matt. We're gonna we're gonna transition to the broader world of college football for for a couple of minutes. Um, growing up, as you know, I wasn't I was an Oklahoma fan, right? And it's yes. because my sister went to OU. She's much old. She's nine years older than me. So when she was at OU, I was a I was a little kid. She goes to school. Of course, that's who we root for. Yeah, my dad is from Ohio. So my dad naturally is just by nature of where he's from. He roots for Ohio state. So when I was growing up, there were two teams in our house that you did not root for under any circumstance. And they were the university of Texas and the university of Michigan. You never rooted for any of them. So this year with both of those teams reaching the college football playoff in the 14 playoff, I'll say, I had the doomsday scenario sitting right there in front of me in that the national championship game had the possibility of being the two teams I grew up hating more than any other two teams in college football. You know, for as long as I can remember watching college football, I have hated those two teams. And that's the doomsday scenario for me is Michigan and Texas. So I sat my happy butt down and I watched Michigan, Alabama. Very much rooting for Alabama to win that game. Um, and they did not. They could have. They probably should have, if we're being honest. Um, but they didn't. So Michigan wins. And I was distraught, Matthew, at the thought of Texas winning the next game. So I was like, you know, I can't do it. I cannot watch Texas Washington. I just can't do it. So I did not watch a second of the football game. I just got like the alerts that Washington beat them. And I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> There's still hope. So do tell 
what tell me your thoughts on that Texas game. Well, I mean, it was a great game. I think all of the playoff games were or all both of the playoff games were really good games. First one went to uh overtime. This one almost you know, Texas either was gonna like tie the game. So, yeah, believe it or not, I still haven't seen the replay. What happened at the end of the game? Ain't gonna lie, I've only read about it. I went to sleep. <laughs> I just woke up the next morning and read about it. And it was like, they almost won. I was like, wow, man. Because I went to sleep. It was, I think, 34, <clears throat> 21 or something like that. And I was like, I'm going to bed. So, so yeah. See, but see what Texas I like. Everybody doesn't watch you. Yeah. I mean, I was watching the game, but then I was like, "This, this is like late. I have, I have work." Then I had to go back to work on Tuesday, or yeah, Tuesday. Ah, yeah. So I was like, "I have to go to bed. I can't just stay up till midnight for a game that my team isn't playing in." Now it is a playoff game, but I will say this: like you, who grew up a fan, I did grow up a Texas fan. We've we've established that on this podcast. So I will say this. Now, this may be offensive to most Baylor fans, but I have kind of like disassociated like Texas from like the Big 12. And in the postseason and going into next year, like my disdain for them has like lessened. Oh, oh, God. I want a divorce. Like I disagree with like our friend Peter Pope. I'm much, much more hate TCU than into Texas. Oh, I'll always hate TCU more than I hate Texas. That's for sure. But I mean, he he's um, he's like Texas number one. His hate list. I mean, and that makes sense he, though. He and he, he was like they're always like so superior. And then my thought was like, well, yeah, most of Baylor's history, they've been superior. Like there well, was the like, thing with me and TCU though some, is the thing with me and TCU is that. I have watched us play TCU from like since I started school. The first game I ever went to for Baylor was Baylor TCU in 2006 when we it was the first time we had played them since the Southwest Conference went away. That was my very first game of Baylor. So like I there was there's there's a large contingent of Baylor fans who went to school between 1996 and 2006. You know, that 10 year period where they didn't play TCU. So um yeah. But they did play Texas, so I, yeah. I, I fully understand that. Like the, anybody that went to the to went to Baylor in the late '90s, early 2000s, I would one hundred percent expect them to hate Texas more than and, they hate TCU. And maybe it's a thing of like I didn't grow up like as a Baylor fan. Like my Neither family weren't yeah. Baylor fans, so like I grew up a Texas fan. So I don't have this deep seated like lifelong. You should though. You hatred. should have learned it by now. No, I did during the events since 2016. I very much hated their their fan base, but like I still hate Mizzou basketball. I hated Mizzou basketball when they were in the Big Twelve. I hate them when they're in the SEC still. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Mizzou. Like you don't hate Texas A and M? No, really. Like I'll say, my it's been like over a decade since they've been out of the conference. I mean, I've almost forgotten the 
and I will say this, my my niece goes to Texas A&M, so like I have like family connections to the school. So who cares? You know how many people like my best friend went to went to Texas A&M. <laughs> I don't care. I still give him shit no, every time I can. I I'm a weird dude, I guess, because I don't hate Texas A&M. I think I love to make fun of them, and I think they're a ridiculous group of people. But I don't, I don't hate them. Yeah, you also don't live in Houston. No, but I live in Waco, which is like 90 miles away. Yeah, but that Waco's a, a UT town. True, true. It's way more orange than it'll ever be maroon. Houston true. is completely maroon. Yeah. Houston is Houston's like 80% maroon, 10% LSU. You're right. And then 10% a hodgepodge of everything. And else. even with my like, you know, secondary LSU fandom, I don't hate T- at Texas A&M. Because I never felt that was a rivalry. Well, no, because LSU is miles ahead that's, of them. But that's like, like and that's also like, still, like do I hate them as much as I hated them when I w- when they were in the Big Twelve? No, I don't. Like, I don't, th- I don't have a reason to think about them. But and like, anytime their fans pop up and talk, with the exception of the couple that I like, you know, like they're they're annoying. I don't, I don't want. The- I would never root for Texas A and M to win a, a game in anything. The only situation where I would root for Texas A and M to win a game is if they were playing TCU or Texas. And even in those situations, I'm not rooting for them. I'm rooting for the meteor. So this year I was at my sister's house. Now they're Aggies because again, my niece goes to Texas A&M. Although my nephew is a, because of me is like this, like lifelong, like Longhorn fan. He's the only Longhorn in the whole family. And that's my fault. (laughs) Because I bought him like long horse stuff when he was an infant. You're proud of yourself, aren't you? I am, but um, you shouldn't be. But like we're, it was it was the LSU game, and it was, it was it was weird because like Jimbo had already been fired, and you know they were like so disgusted with like the football program. It was hilarious, and then you know the game went the way it went. Um. And then I was just reading, I was just reading like tweets of like, oh, they're going to hire like Mark Stoops. And they are just like beside themselves is my, my niece and her boyfriend. And they're both Aggies and they're just like, oh, I'm so disgusted. (laughs) And that was hilarious. Well, I think, you know, we, we chatted about. Well, I'm glad we're doing a national championship preview by talking about Texas A&M. Yeah, I talk about Texas (laughs) A&M. So, all right. So we've established Washington and Michigan are playing each other in the national title game. Um, Is there a line for that game yet? Uh, Let's take a look. Let's see. I don't know if there's a line for that. There there has to be. There has to be by now. Uh, I'll just scroll all the way down. Okay, here we go. There is. It is uh, Michigan is currently favored at four and a half points. And the game will be played mm. Monday. So in a few days here in Houston, where I'm at. Four and a half. So points. I read something today and I agree with it. It's like, I think Michigan has this multiple ways they can win this game. Washington has this, things have to happen a specific way for them to win. So are you going to take Michigan to win? I want Washington to win for one reason. It's because, are you familiar with the uh, blue chip ratio? I am not. So 
Bud Elliott, who's over at uh, CBS, I think, 24-7, he came up with his blue chip ratio. And basically, no team has ever won the national championship where they didn't have more than 50% four or five stars on their okay. roster. Washington falls below the blue chip ratio. Oh. So if they won, they'd be the first and only team to win a national championship with less than 50% four or five star players on their roster. Michigan's fully in the blue chip ratio. You know, they they have I think they may be right at 50 or something like that, but they they fall within that like that range. Washington is the opposite. So I want them to win just because of the narrative of like you don't have to have the only five and four star players to put together a, a national championship team. Now, granted, they they probably brought in a lot of no, I mean they did like some of their their quarterbacks have transferred, but he's still he's probably a four star player. Hmm. I'd have to go back and look. I don't know. Michael so you're Pants. taking Michigan. But I am taking Michigan, yes. I think it's one of those things like I'm pretty sure Jim Harbaugh's gone after this year. I well, think he's going, he's going back to the NFL. I'm pretty sure. There was some – in the city of Houston, there was hope that Texas would win oh, because sure. of like the financial impact that that – like people assuming like if Texas comes to the national championship game and it's in Houston – Everybody from Austin's going to come down. Like you're going to get, it's easier for their fan base to get to get here, kind of deal. Um, I thought that was, you know, a bunch of bull because Michigan is national. National brands with massive fan bases, right? Michigan, especially yeah. one of the biggest fan bases in the entire world. Um, but I went on SeatGeek, yeah. Matt, and I looked up what the cheapest ticket was because I thought this would be a symbol of demand, right, of how crazy this game is going to be, how many people are going to be there. Um, I want you to guess what you think the cheapest, the get-in price right now on SeatGeek. I sorted by lowest price on SeatGeek in the entire stadium. What do you think the get-in price on SeatGeek is right now? Uh, $300. $1,142. It's like a Taylor Swift concert. 1142 bucks is the cheapest ticket on SeatGeek right now. That place is going to be rocking. Place is going to be rocking. So just to correct myself, Michael Penix was a three-star, so. Yeah. Coming now, out. <clears throat> all that. But yeah, all that. Back to the game. Yeah. You're taking Michigan. And you're wrong because Washington's going to win, and that's who I'm taking. Go Huskies. All right. I mean, again, I hope so. I just don't see it. <clears throat> I just you, don't you, think – I don't you know think who wins? is explosive who, enough. You know I really, really going to win? The Big Ten. Because Washington yeah. is – Yeah, that's like true. Yeah. No matter what, the Big Ten's bringing a national champion into the conference. So, yeah, the Big Ten, way to go. Great year. Great year, Big Ten. Good job. Good job, Big Ten. So, yeah. Well, Matt, those are our last football picks of the year. Yes. That's the last football pick of the year. Maybe we'll do some NFL picks later if if both our teams are in the playoffs. But my team's in the playoffs. Until then, now that we've had a great season, a great season of picks, 
Let's talk again again about one of our awesome 1012 sponsors, Prize Picks, the best legal way to play daily fantasy on player props in states like California, Georgia, Texas, and many others across the country. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. All you have to do is select two to five players and an over under on a projected stat line, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's fast, it's easy, entries can be made in as little as 60 seconds, and they offer almost every sport that you can imagine. NFL, Week 18, huge playoff implications this weekend. Everybody's going to be playing at the top. Um, College football, like we mentioned, you've got the national championship game. The NBA is in full swing. College basketball is hitting, you know, um, conference play at this point. The EPL, other soccer leagues are in full swing. And there's many, many other sports that you can check out on there. So go check it out. If you use promo code BEAR12, you get an instant 100% deposit match up to $100 for new accounts. That's right. Promo code BEAR12, B-E-A-R-1-2. And you can instantly get a full $100 match on your first deposit. Price Picks is available online and in the App Store or on Google Play. Go check them out. And as always, thank you to Prize Picks. Go make some picks. Have a little extra fun while you're watching sports. Yeah, go make some picks. And uh, make some money. Make, make a little bit. Make, make a little money. scratch. A little scratch. Yeah. yeah. Matt, did you watch anything cool since we last talked? Well, I don't know if I call it cool. But I did uh, watch uh, Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon. I didn't, um, and I won't. I did. It was during Christmas break, um, and it was on, and I didn't have anything else to watch. And <clears throat> I, I have problems with it. Okay. I, but I think I have problems with Zack Snyder as a director. Okay. Yeah, I buy that. There's a lot of um, slow motion action which is cool but then it's every time then it became it was cool in 300 yeah that's what i'm saying and i think it's cool sparingly but when it's like every action shot you're slow motion it's I, i just don't i don't get it also this movie makes no sense and i know you're 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 a big um Pet peeve is like people making decisions that yeah stupid. stupid decisions. Well, I don't know if these are stupid decisions, but they're like decisions that they made for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> Here, come with us. We're gonna do this thing. Okay, why are you go you going with strangers? You don't know who these people are. It doesn't make any sense. So <laughs> that's what aggravated me the most about this because it's it's pretty much a directly a rip off or. It's the same plot as like Seven Samurai or Magnificent uh, okay. Seven, however you want to, whichever movie you want to quote. But, uh, and there are like, of course, this, the backstory is this was pitched as a Star Wars movie to Disney, which they declined. And so he made it with Netflix as a, just a sci-fi, generic sci-fi movie. Would it and, have been good as a Star Wars movie? Uh, I don't know. Doubtful. Hmm. Because the whole thing about this is like people have critiques about it, 
And then Zack Snyder says, but wait for the director's cut. Why are you doing this? What are we doing? Right. Just release, just release a director's cut. Don't don't say like, here's a, a edited down version that isn't my true vision. But wait, wait. does uh, Yeah. When you you're know, signing the contract, get, say it has to be my vision. Wait six months because I'm going to release this director's cut and it's going to be epic. It was like this stuff like that aggravates me. Yeah. It's just a way to get the movie out twice. No, all. The movie, in my opinion, was not good. Mostly because I didn't understand the character's motivations and why they're making the decisions they're making. Because you didn't establish that in, in your film. And I will be quite honest with you. People I trust watched the movie, reviewed the movie, didn't like the movie. So I watched it just so I could join in on this, like not liking the movie. I didn't watch and, it out of any like, really and you didn't like it. it, and I didn't like it, so yeah. it worked out in my favor. Um, I saw one movie over the break, and I quite enjoyed it. What's what's that? It was Ferrari. Ah, that's a uh, Adam Driver, isn't that Adam Driver and Penelope Cruz? Penelope Cruz is stellar in it. She plays uh, Enzo in, Ferrari's wife. She's good in everything though. Dude, yeah, oh, she is. She She's really, really always is. good. She is so good in this man. It's a, it's a really interesting movie. Um, I, you know, I, I love. I'm big into the history of Ferrari. So, like, so did you, you know, watch Ford versus Ferrari? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which I love that. I think that I, I like that movie a lot. Um, so this is more of like a a biopic of Enzo, but it's focused on. It's like way before this time of like Ford versus Ferrari. It's probably about right. 15 to 20 years before Ford versus Ferrari. Like they're um, on the verge of like bankruptcy and, you know, like crazy stuff. Ferrari. Yeah. Right? And, and they constantly are. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, no, this is based in the 50s. Um, okay. And Ferrari, you know, is it, it's it is a it is a short look into a short period of time. So it's I would say it's probably the movie represents it as across three to six months or something, but it's basically a critical period in Ferrari's history where, you know, they needed money. Um, and then part of how they were going to do that was to try to, to, to win a big race. And then some stuff happens. It's very controversial. And then it's also a glimpse into Enzo Ferrari's uh, personal life and the relationship that he has with his wife and um, with some other members of his family as well. Um, they have a mistress as well. He does. Yes. Um, Oh, Enzo. And there's laws in Italy during that time. That, oh, Enzo. Um, you know, that, you know, you're not like divorce wasn't legal or anything like that at that time in Italy. So, um, but no, it's a very, very good movie. There are, there is uh, some gore in it that's absolutely unexpected. So if you do go oh, see it, I've be, heard about this. It's like, be prepared wrecks, to right? see some body parts. Yeah. And there is the worst, like, and I don't mean in that, like, oh, difficult to watch worst. I mean, worst put on film i can't believe somebody thought this was a good idea and approved this like and decided this was good enough for this multi-million dollar movie the worst car accident scene i've ever seen in my life it was it was tantamount to the american sniper bradley cooper holding what is clearly a, a doll for the baby mm -hmm. um there's a car accident at the beginning of the movie that it's like <laughs> a car a car and a human do things that defy physics so it's 
but besides that, it's it's a it's a well made film. But overall, it is a extremely well acted movie. Adam Driver is great in it. Penelope Cruz is great in it. Um, so I wouldn't say it's it's groundbreaking cinema or anything. But if you like biopics and you and you're interested in, in you know kind of the background on who Enzo Ferrari was as a person, um, you know it's it's definitely a movie I'd recommend to go see. It's a it's a good use of two hours of your life. I'd, I'd give it a solid B, B minus. Um, so I saw that. I did also watch. Um, I, I I don't know if we talked about this last time. I did finally finish Loki. Um, so that happened. And yes. Uh, um. So I thought that was it was. So I, I I think let's let's. Uh, I think we'll probably give it. Uh, let's wait till next week and and we can do a deeper dive into it. Um. But yeah, overall, I liked it. Um, I think I liked season one better is what I'll say uh, about uh, after all was said and done. But I'm intrigued to see where we go from here. Um, and then on the Star Wars front, you mentioned Rebel Moon was p- uh, pitched as a Star Wars movie. Over the break, I played through Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Um, excellent, excellent game. Had a blast playing that. And I'm sad it was over because that game really does capture the fun of playing as a Jedi. Um, and then I couldn't be nerding out with time off. If I didn't mention that over the break, I have read half of the Silmarillion and I had to put that down because it's Dude, super dense. Silmarillion is so hard to get. Through. I've tried. It's so, oh, it's so hard. I've been reading it for like a year. So I'm halfway through, um, maybe even more than halfway through at this point. But I put it down and decided, like, I, I and I picked up the fellowship. So I'm reading Fellowship of the Ring now. Um, and then I think what's I think what I'll do is like I'm gonna read Fellowship, and then I'm when I finish Fellowship, I'm gonna pick Silmarillion back up, read that for a little bit, and then when it gets to be heavy again, I'll put it down, read two towers, and then I'll pick Silmarillion back up, hopefully finish it, and then read Return to the King. Not me. But yeah, Silver. I got th- I got through the. Um, there's a whole chapter in the Silmarillion that's just like this is the geography of Middle Earth, and I don't know if there's a chapter in a book that's been harder for me to get through than that book than that chapter. <laughs> like yeah. where it's just page just after it. page talking about rivers. <laughs> just skip it. Go to well, the next no, chapter. I don't want to. So I don't want to. <laughs> so. I haven't seen it yet, but I, I am. I have plans to go see Iron Claw very soon. Iron Claw, which one is that? So that's the, the biopic about the uh, Von Erich family. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know anything about that. Fa- I asked my dad over Christmas. I was like, "Hey, did you uh, do you know anything about that?" And he was like, "Oh yeah, like Von Erich. He knew he knew everything about him." Um, well, they're Texas. I've, I've seen the trailer. Natives, for it, Texas natives. Uh, wrestling professional wrestling family so when i was a very very young child they were like huge in texas but i mean i lived in texas so i don't know um but uh that was before like the advent of like the 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 boom of like wwe like in the late right it was before mcmahon had consolidated yeah before before, i I watched a documentary on how that i i am very much not into wrestling wrestling is not a a thing I I got into it when it when you know the boom of like late 80s probably I was a child so like Hulk Hogan that era 
you know, Jake the Snake and Macho Man Randy Savage, all those guys. And then I fell off, fell out of it. And then as a teenager, got back into it with like The Rock, Stone Cold and all that stuff. So like The Rock, Stone Cold, that that era, I I, I had like a five minute stop when I was big, in. Big Stone Cold guy. When, yeah. When I was in like fifth grade. A couple of my friends were into it. So I, I was like, I was a wrestling fan for four weeks in fifth grade or something like that. And that's what I remember Stone Cold. I remember Mankind is one that I remember. Mankind. Nick Foley. Legend. Yes. Yeah. That dude. Nick Foley is just um, a legend. He had the sock, right? Um, yeah. Socko. The Undertaker. I remember the Undertaker, and plus for the like the Undertaker memes, and he's a big UT fan too. Um, everybody knows, but yeah, Stone Cold. I mean, for they're sure. all like former college football players, so um, I think like Undertaker Rock. played. Oh, at I UNT. guess like, what, what's it, uh, Triple H? Triple H. Yeah, because I remember like the um, Suck It era, like that. Because we always get we get in trouble at school for doing that. I remember like uh, like you mentioned Undertaker, like when they introduced like Kane as his like brother. That's just that was great television. Kane was the big red dude, right? The big red, yeah. Oh, speaking of big dudes, there was what, what was the what was the giant dude's name? Oh, um, the big show. Big show, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember him. So, like, I I mean, I I'm of course tangentially aware of my I, I see commercials for it now, but I've never never just like I me, I, I, I know people me and my like friends like to it. No, I was older, so like I was I was probably I was in high school. So it's like we would all like watch Monday Night Raw like together, and like if and I I felt I felt like this then I feel like this now it's literally just like soap operas for like men, <laughs> basically because I I knew at the time like I know this is not real, but I'm watching for like the storylines. It's like the drama of like the the pro wrestling, and then you get like this pseudo athletic event in the middle of it see i was just like watching baseball <laughs> on a monday night wow. like i was just watching the astros or the rockets <laughs> that's what i was doing i was, or I was watching the cubs and wgn wow that takes me back so i was more of like a because we got wgn too it's like the but I was more, I was always like a, a White Sox guy. Gotcha. Oh, dude, summer day games. Like when I would be home, home from school in the summertime, like I would, I, I watched so many Cubs games because well, they played, they played during the day all the time. That's the thing is like, I remember like I was super young going to Rangers games and I had like, um, I was a huge like White Sox fan because I watched so many White Sox games because of WGN. Because they play, they yeah they would play at night on WGN. Yeah, so I, would, I saw yeah. like, um, Big Hurt, and like I was a huge fan just because I watched them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all I'm watching. I mean, I don't know if there's any other. There's no really no other movies coming out. You can kind of like yeah. It, well, this is me the, with, this is the worst time of the year for movies. You can miss me with Aquaman sequel. Yeah, I'm not going to see that. Do not care. Didn't care about the first movie. Definitely don't care about this one. Um, so I'm not going to watch Saltburn. 
just because I don't know if it's my my vibe. Are you familiar with this movie? I'm not at all. Okay, just do a little little research. It's some has some wild like scenes in it. I mean, I I because uh, unbeknownst to me, my 14 year old watched this uh, R rated movie because it's on like Prime right now, and it is uh not appropriate for a 14 year old. Saltburn. Saltburn has a uh, Barry. Was it Barry Kogan or Kagan? You know he Salt played. Burn. Yeah, Saltburn. Just do a little research. It's a uh... distraught by his classmate Oliver's unfortunate living situation. Felix, a rich student, invites him over to his estate. Soon, a series of horrifying events engulf Felix's family. Yeah, that's uh, putting it lightly. All I'm going to say is a bathtub scene. That's all. Just Google that. Saltburn bathtub scene. I'm good. It is. It is. Yeah, it's something else. And my 14-year-old watched it, so it's great. (laughs) (laughs) Because how I mentioned she stays up to like Odd hours of the night. One of those nights was watching uh, R-rated movies on Amazon Prime. So, but yeah, so, yeah. They, Feb, when I I remember I took a class at Baylor called Producing in Hollywood. I think is what it was called. It was like I was I was a communications major, so I got to take cool classes like that. Is that a Corpy class or? It was uh, J. Brian Elliott, um, okay. my, one of my favorite professors. I but love, I love Corby so much. Oh, Corby was great, but uh, Brian Elliott was. Oh, I loved Brian Elliott. Shout out but, Chris um, Hansen too. Yeah, Hansen's great. So was Dan Schaefer and um, uh, Bob Darden. Oh, all great professors. But they, one of the things that we learned in that class is like generally speaking, like February is the like the nobody goes to see movies in February, so like the studios know that, so they don't release anything. So summertime and christmas are like the two big release times unfortunately we just got out of a writer's strike which meant that a bunch of stuff didn't get made so this christmas was actually like not a big not a big movie christmas so hopefully this summer it's a little bit better but yeah i i've been looking at like all my different movie movie apps and there's just not really anything coming out like i want to see that so I, I, i watch the marvels which is a good movie. I mean, I had fun. It's a fun movie. You know? Like, I'm going to uh, look at the coming soon. I'm looking at what's out now. So Wonka, not going to watch it. Nope. Aquaman, not going to watch it. Night Swim, don't know what that is. It's a PG th- PG-13 horror movie where there's like nope. a ghost living in a pool. Migration is an animated movie about ducks. birds or ducks. Yeah. Not going to watch it. The Color Purple is a remake. Anyone but you. I think that's a rom-com. The Boys in the Boat. Another biopic. Iron Claw. Ferrari. The Hunger Games Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. No. All right. Poor, so there, there is things. some stuff coming poor this things year. Is some, poor Things is supposed to be a good movie. It's so just, I'm it's, looking through. It's probably weird. So I'm looking through right now. 
the movies that are upcoming. Uh, the first one that pops up that I, I'm interested to see is a movie called The Book of Clarence. I don't know if you've seen the trailer for that. I have. Um, and you pretend to be like Jesus or something like that. It's like yes, Latif Leth- Sanfield. Yeah, it, yeah, and, and James McAvoy is like a, a Roman centurion. It's, yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. looks it looks like it's going to be legitimately funny. Um, ISS that looks stupid. Um, I'm looking through it right now. Argyle. Let's have you see. seen the have you seen the I've seen the trailer for Argyle. Argyle. So it has like Brian Cranston in it and um I think Bryce Dallas Howard is like the main character. Oh, she's like an author. Yeah, and yeah, then, I know it she, is. It, like it's like what she wrote about was like real life it's, spy. Yeah, it's coming yeah. true. Yeah. Um let's see what else. Um uh the Bob Marley biopic, I'll probably go see that. Dune part two. Uh, Dune, Dune 2, uh, I will see that for sure. Uh, Fall the, Guy, is that a remake of like the 80s no, television show? So, no, it's uh, Ryan Gosling plays a stuntman who's in love with Emily Blunt, who's a director. Yeah. So, I will say this though. Since I'm older than you, there was a television show in the 80s called The Fall Guy. He's a stuntman. Oh really? Yeah, I thought you were thinking that it was going to be like uh, uh, based on the video game. I didn't There's a movie a... called Imaginary. Um, yeah, Lee Majors played the fall guy from '81. Oh. <laughs> it, it debuted in 1981. Wow. Uh, a movie called Imagine. A woman returns to her childhood home to discover that the imaginary oh, yeah. friend she left behind is very real and unhappy that she abandoned him. Is that the um, Krasinski movie? I don't know, maybe. Um, Kung Fu Panda 4, the Ghostbusters sequel. Some, um, um, is this a Mark Wahlberg movie? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Craven. Craven the Hunter. It's a Marvel movie that's rated R. Yeah, it's, a, um, it's, a, it's in like the Sony verse. Uh, okay. But we'll see. We'll see how it is. Oh, Furiosa, Furiosa, a Mad Max saga. We have um, Godzilla X Kong. Yeah. The, the sequel to that. Oh, If. If looks like it's interesting. And if Inside the, Out 2. No, so If is the Krasinski. It's, yeah, the it's also imaginary. It's also imaginary friends also. Yeah. Um, and then Inside Out 2. That'll be interesting. Kingdom of Planet of the Apes. I haven't seen any of those. The Garfield movie? Not interested. So, there you go. Isn't this like the 18th Garfield movie? I'll be honest with you. I haven't seen a single Garfield movie. Neither have I, but I'm pretty sure this isn't like a new thing. What is this Dakota Johnson? Madam Web? Oh, that's a Spider-Verse, Spider-Person movie. Meanwhile, in another universe, in a switch from the typical genre, Madam Web tells the standalone origin story of one of Marvel Publishing's most enigmatic heroines. The suspense-driven thriller stars Dakota Johnson as Cassandra Webb, a paramedic in Manhattan who may have clairvoyant abilities forced to confront revelations about her past. She forges a relationship with three young women destined for powerful futures if they can all survive a deadly present. All right. There you go. 
So yeah, there's some stuff coming out, but it's not an exciting year but, for movies. Yeah, and this is that was probably all like in the next month or two. So like, I'm pretty sure once you get, I don't know what's slated to come out because, like you said, there's been a writer's track, so I don't know how delayed. There is are. um, there's a Lord of the Rings movie coming out this year. Did you know that? I did not know that. I believe it's called. I do know. <coughs> Let's see. When is it coming? It's coming. Oh, it's not coming out until December, but it's um, it's going to be it's animated. It's called Lord of the Rings, the War of the Rohirrim. Interesting. Yes. I do know that it's based on a story told in the appendices of Lord of the Rings. So let me ask you a question. Did did you ever watch Hawkeye series? Yes. Okay, so you know they're coming out with like an Echo series. It's oh, the, uh, the sidekick in the movie? Well, she was like the... Well, I guess she's the main character, but like... Well, she was the, I guess, antagonist for the most part of the movie. She was the, uh, the um, indigenous female who oh, was... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so... It's about her, but I, from what I've seen from the trailers, it's it's going to lean heavily on like the Netflix Daredevil, because like Kingpin's in it, Daredevil's in it, and I think it's like a soft launch for like Daredevil series. But uh, they're going to drop all the episodes on January 9th. It's not going to be a weekly thing. It's like there's five episodes. Here's all five episodes. So I am going to watch that most likely. I mean, what are, we, what are we talking about? It's a Marvel show. I'm watching it. <laughs> okay. So we're getting some more stuff. <laughs> I'm looking at some other, other shows, right? So we got a uh, despicable me four in July twisters, which I guess is a sequel to the 1996 disaster movie twister. That's what we've all been asking for. Deadpool three. Okay. Uh, Borderlands, which I think is that a video game movie? Yeah, made by uh, Gearbox is the yeah. Name it's of, directed. Uh, uh, looks like it's directed by uh, Eli Roth. So that Borderlands was developed by a company based in Austin. So it's the same one as like uh, the film was written by Craig Mazin, who developed yeah. The Last of Us and um, um, Chernobyl. Chernobyl, yes. Interesting. Uh, so, right, so we got stuff. We got stuff coming. We got back. stuff I mean, coming. And uh, yeah, we got stuff coming. We got stuff coming. For now, though, Matt. For now. Where can the people find you? Where can they find the podcast? Find me on Twitter at Matt underscore Workman. I'm also on Blue Sky and Threads. So hit me up. You find the podcast on only on Twitter at the Baird and Pod or at the website BairdandPod.com. BairdandPod.com. The BairdandPod.com, I should say. And you can find me on Twitter at the underscore Joe underscore Goodman. Um, and as always, you can find me on the ODB Discord or on rdailybears.com. So go check out the stuff over there, as well as going and checking out any of the other podcasts that are part of the 1012 network, including the 1012 podcast itself. Um 
and go check out sports social um sports social podcast network they've got a lot of really cool stuff i actually listen pretty now or pretty regularly now to the uh the tottenham podcast that they have on yeah. they have multiple tottenham podcasts on there actually but there's a to- uh, the the main tottenham podcast i listen to is part of sports social podcast network so um yeah, absolutely and, recommend going and checking yeah out. just to like reiterate what joe said about checking out the uh the main the the flagship show the 1012 podcast because this time of year philip does a great job they they talk a lot of about spring sports more than we do oh they god they're big they, on they, softball they do a good job they they do a great job covering sports that we may not necessarily cover um for the big 12 so definitely check them out especially if you're a softball fan baseball tennis whatever they'll um they'll if they may not cover every week they'll have someone on there talking about it especially if uh, uh big 12 related so yeah definitely check that out also if you want to if you want to email me or joe and you want to tell me how much you love rebel moon uh you can hit us up at um hosts at the com. Yeah, we do we have a real email address all right, right, Matt. It was great to be back. Great to be back. It's also bedtime. Yeah, we did an extra, extra long show. Yeah, made it made up for some lost time. Yes, for sure. But as always, Matt. As always, sick and bears. Sick and bears. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.